We're live. We're on. We're rolling. rolling. All right, Kale. Hurricane Hoedown Throwdown. I think that's exciting. Did we figure out a date? Are we, are we switching it or are we keeping it? Right now, it's, it's planned for the 27th. 27th. I'm going to have to make it. If I do make an adjustment to it, it would have to be the next couple of days. Typically, right now, it's going to be 27th. The other option is potentially May the 11th. Okay, so not the 4th. So probably the it's potentially. Okay. Potential. 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 All right. So just FY. But I'd have to make that decision the next like day or so. Okay. That way people have an actual enough even though it's still like two months away, people have plenty of time to plan still that like out. Game plan. I still need to have an actual definite date. Um, because the original date that we have for the twenty seventh, there's a few people competing at a different competition mm-hmm. that weekend. And so just kinda open up to more people, maybe pushing it back to the eleventh, but We'll see how it goes. Okay. But this be our third year to do it. It is exciting. Uh, I thought last year's workouts were better than the first year's workouts for okay. sure. First year's always a little wonky. I think we only did we only do two workouts the first year. We did two at a max, right? Two, maybe a max. Last year we did four total score events. I thought that worked out really well. Yeah. So that's kind of the general game plan again this year. I feel like last year's was just smooth from the get go. I feel like. Well, we started at eight. Yeah. What time we get done? We got out early. I want to say we are officially out of the door, locked up by like noon. Yeah. So most people. Before noon. So maybe like eleven thirty. So the first time I think maybe ran over a little bit past noon. The idea. So first off, rewind for a second. For anybody who has not seen or heard, so the Hurricane Hoedown Throwdown is a partner in-house competition Mm -hmm. that we put on this year our third year to do it. We have three divisions. Or three divisions you can sign up for, and it is male, male, female, female divisions. You can do RX, intermediate, or scale. Okay. Which is essentially the RX division is the way we kind of look at it is like use the color system to help guide you to which division you should sign up for. So if you normally do black and brown, 90 plus percent of your time, RX. If you're blue, purple, intermediate, orange, yellow, scale. Sure. The RX divisions will have obviously heavier loads and more higher skilled pieces. The intermediate division will have moderately skilled loads and or moderate loads and moderate skills. Now, obviously, the complexity for the skill division is less weight and less skill movements, right? So, when making these workouts, we think of our gym in mind, right? So, like when you go to a competition, often BFE. You don't know what you're getting, right? They're just kind of planning for what they think is this avatar person person for this particular division, right? So we're trying our best base of our divisions, how we see our programming and, and the people that we know they're going to probably be signing up for it to work them in a way that are also going to be challenging, but they're still going to be doable, right? Like, like I'm not going to program a 315-pound squat snatch in that <laughs> yeah. division, right? But you might see that at the CrossFit Games, right? But you got but you're not going to see that here, right? So we're going to we're going to adjust things appropriately. It's always a great opportunity for people to maybe get exposed mm-hmm. to um, the quote-unquote sport of fitness, I guess so to speak, without having to get too outside your comfort zone by going to sign up like at a competition out of the middle of nowhere. You don't know anybody. You're kind of there by yourself. Here, you can sign up with a buddy. It's kind of shared suffering, right? So not all that pressure is on you by yourself. And you get to hang out with other people and have it's just kind of camaraderie. And, and it's a way for you to 
maybe push outside your normal comfort boundaries and actually give you something to kind of train for and get you kind of excited for the next two months of training, right? So sometimes signing up for something like this can yield you to be more consistent in the gym because you know you have this thing coming up in eight weeks that you got to train for, right? And so, and that can then lead to better results, better body composition, you know, better performance, so on and so forth. So I would highly recommend you guys find somebody because obviously we're going to have to do our best to plan out heats and things like that. I think last year we had, what, maybe six heats and all? Something like that. I think we ran maybe like five to seven, five five teams, seven teams at a time, something like that. And so, obviously, with our equipment limitations, a little bit that we actually have to plan for that. And I thought last year overall ran very smooth very overall. Good. Like, and so that's kind of our same general concept. Is we're going to try to do that same thing this year. Uh, you guys will get here probably around like seven in the morning for you guys competing, starting our first workout around eight, and then being done somewhere around that noon time frame. Give or take a little bit. And so uh, it'd be four dollars per team, twenty dollars per person. Okay. Um, I haven't decided quite yet if because um, when we do that one or two options we can obviously just use the money to help buy prizes for first second third sure or we just do that as like a charitable thing okay where all the money goes proceeds go to a charity of some kind okay that's kind of the idea so that's my two thoughts I haven't exactly decided as to what we're going to do right so like Last year, like that's all we're going to really do is just, it's going to be one of two things. Like we're going to take that money that we get and that's going to be used to buy prizes for first, second, third, or we'll just take all of the proceeds that we get and just donate it away and nobody will receive prizes, right? It's just, okay. it's just more like bragging rights that you got first, second, third, so to speak. It's kind of the idea. So we'll kind of play around with the ideas exactly what we're going to do, but I'm just kind of speaking out of my ass right now as to what we're going to kind of finagle our way with that a little bit to a degree. And so... Anything else you want to add to that, Kale? Anything I missed? I don't think so. I mean, from anybody, that time, did, did anybody have any questions about it yesterday with you? No, I don't, I don't think people, not too many people like actually knew about it yesterday. Okay. Yeah, so, because um, I was bringing it up and they are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, okay, obviously. You don't live on social uh, media? You yeah, don't exactly. Um, but no, not, not, not necessarily just yet. Um, I know some people asked about the team stuff. I know we talked about the male, male, female, female stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the time. Anybody ask for co-ed? No, no, no one asked for co-ed. I always wonder if somebody's going to ask for co-ed. I'm like, if you ask for co-ed, the only issue is... It's just so hard. Like, no, it's hard to find a co-ed. Like a lot well, because then you start running into equipment mm-hmm. variations because now you're going to have to have a barbell for... It's two barbells girl for a group. And a guy, right? And then you're also talking about more heat. So you start to make it a little bit more complex. Sure. And with more complexity, more moving parts... You're going to be here longer, things like that. So we're trying to make it as simplistic as possible for you to get in here, get a good workouts, have a accomplish, good have a good time, <laughs> and still have the rest of your afternoon, right? Because when you go and go to, let's say you're, going, you're doing Raging and Lafayette, that's a full day thing. That's a whole day, dude. For some of you, it's even like morning day because some people say the night before. You're not leaving until like 5 o'clock, so. Exactly. Like you're, you're bait, it's a full, you're getting there 7, 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. You're not leaving until four, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. It's your whole entire day is, is and by the end of your like, I'm just. But I feel like eight last year was a good time too. Like, like most people can get there for eight. Like it's not like a, it's not too early. It's not overwhelmingly yeah, early, exactly. right? Like you're usually during your work week up 
by like between six and seven for mm-hmm. most people. And so asking people to get to the gym at you know seven in the morning is not a humongous ask. Sure. It's not like you're asking for somebody to be there at six in the morning. Yeah. And then, you know, with a start time at eight o'clock. And most people are usually getting their first workout done between eight and ten. Mm-hmm. And then the final, like I said, is done by like noon. So if you have not heard, now you know. Now we know. Okay. So one thing uh, I saw something the other day and I was like, oh, it'd be kind of a good topic to kind of talk about a little bit. Because especially with the CrossFit Open starting up right. next week. Yeah. So about a week from the day next, the workout will be released next Thursday. Yeah. Um, so before we go real quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll put the ball in your court on this one is explain what the Open is for anybody who doesn't. All right, non-professional podcast. Now we're moving again. Now, where's what is the open? What is the open? So the open is essentially it used to be five weeks, now it's three weeks. Okay, essentially CrossFit headquarters is going to release a workout every Thursday for three weeks, um, and pretty much people they'll have an RX, they'll have I think it's what scaled and then rookie, rookie now or foundation or foundation or something, something like lines. that, uh, which is pretty much like your three different divisions. RX obviously being like your higher end of the deal you have your intermediate which would kind of be like our probably purple bluish right and then foundation is more like your yellow and your orange right um but essentially it's just the whole deal people all around the world are going to do it um your rx division is what essentially is going to get you to the crossfit games if that is kind of like what your goal is right um, so if you're seeing it on tv or anything like that they actually all did the open workouts that you're probably going to do on that friday mm-hmm. also which is kind of cool to think about um you get to think about like your idol also doing the same workout that you did you kind of maybe compare your scores to them or maybe see how sure. good they are um but essentially just i don't know i always thought the open was a really cool thing because it brought the gym together mm-hmm. kind of like it's a whole good community deal um i don't know i hated the five week open i love three week open Last two weeks drug on. Yeah, the last four, the fourth and the fifth week of old school opens was absolutely horrible. Yeah. But the simplistic part, I guess, is the more simplistic way would be like it's the first stage of getting to the CrossFit Games. Correct. Right, which I think last because me and Leland were talking about it last Thursday when I was at gymnastics with Carter. Because I looked at the registration from year to year, to year like for the open, because we we're just like talking how many like how many have registered for the open from year to year. Uh, I think last year, I think the peak was 2018. It's like 500 something thousand. It was like 420 something thousand, I'll say. It, was, it wasn't 500. I think 400 something thousand has been the most they have signed up. I think that was 2018. And then like 2019 came and then Greg Glassman kind of blew up the whole sure. scene of like how people Killed qualified. Everybody. And so it was kind of weird. And so I think it dropped off like, like 200 something thousand okay. the next year. And then it's like slowly been building up. I think last year they had three hundred something. Yeah, I want to say somewhere around three hundred thirty thousand. Yeah. So it's it's kind of climbing back up again. So obviously, out of the three hundred plus thousand people who signed up last year, what ninety ninety nine percent of those people didn't move past stage one, right? Sure. It's just it's just more the uh, fact of like participating in the whole entire thing, right? Because essentially, it's just a workout that headquarters puts out, and if you want to, you can sign up on the CrossFit Games website and see how you rank in the worldwide mm-hmm. or in your country or in your state. And then I think this year to move on to the stage two, which would be for quarterfinals, you'd have to place top 25% of that group, of the like whatever your age group is, right? So they do have from 18 to 34, 
which okay. is like an age group, and you have 35 to 39, 40 to 44, 45 to 49. So you have to place in the top 25% of your age division to move on to stage two. Stage three, I think they're taking, at least for masters, they're taking the top 25% from of there? that division from okay. quarterfinals to go That's to semifinals. Yeah. Okay. So, because I think usually it was just a flat standard, like, hey, we're taking the top 30. This year they're taking the top 25% of the quarterfinals. Okay. That's for masters. Now, if you're in the 18 to 34 year age groups, that's where obviously your CrossFit gains people really come from is from that pool. I think it's only the top 40 this 40. year to move on to semifinals in that division, which those particular divisions are actually going to a competition in like an actual physical location, sure. like in, in Miami. Like yeah, there's something like that. Yeah. Maybe like two or three in the United States, and they have them all around the world, right? So you're going to a physical location. The semifinals for the Masters is still remote at your gym, filming okay. and things like that. And they then they that take, year, right? Yeah, and then they take the top 20 out of that division, and then move on to the games, and then move on to the games okay. for the, the Masters games. So this year they're doing it, they're doing it all completely different. So, like the CrossFit Games isn't hosting the Masters. And the teams and the teams. They didn't do that last year, right? No, they did it last year. But they, this I thought year, they had them in a whole separate like venue. It is to a degree. It's still, it's all still in one place. Okay. So like this year, the Masters Cross Games is in Montgomery, Alabama. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think the teams is somewhere else in a, on a whole other school location. The games are in Texas this year in Dallas. I hate that. And so it's all different. So, I don't like that. And, and it's all separate weekends too. So they're not all in the same place. Really? So it's not all going at one time. Okay. So like, you know, the, the crossing games might be, I think I don't know the official date is, but I think it's like early August. And so that might be one weekend. And then the masters is like the next weekend in, in Alabama. Okay. And the teams is like the next weekend off in Utah, wherever Dude, it is. I bet the teenagers hate that. But not be actually at the CrossFit Games? Yeah, because I mean, I feel like if you were a teenager, like you would also want to be at the games and like get to meet like your idols and like your, mm-hmm. the guys that you look up to and like all that kind of cool stuff, you know? Their, their idea, I think, behind it, so from what I understand is like obviously on a financial standpoint, the teams and the masters and the teams, it's not very profitable sure. for CrossFit, right? Just because... It's not your money thing. You're not watching the elite of the elite yeah. when you're watching these people, right? It's very impressive for these individual people for their ages. It's impressive, no doubt about it. But it's it's like watching minor league baseball compared to exactly. major league baseball, right? You, you want to watch the top tier, the top tier, the most fit people in, in the world. And so those are going to be your money makers, right? That's where everybody's going to go watch, pay tickets for. That's where all your, your TV watching is going to come from. And then when it comes to these other guys... Probably not going to want to go turn the TV on to watch a 10-minute AMRAP of a 14-year-old working out. More than likely not, right? And so they're basically allocating that to a whole nother entity and then slapping the Masters CrossFit Games on it. So CrossFit is basically like, hey, it's your responsibility to host this competition. And I'm sure to a degree they'll probably regulate some stuff they do. But they're basically like, you're in charge of getting broadcasting, putting forth the money. It's pretty much just like a a rogue invitational, but they're just like saying, this is the CrossFit Games, right? For the Masters, the teams, whatever it may be. Right? So it's a way for them not to lose out on money. Because remember, like last year, the broadcast for the Masters and like the teams like that was like basically an iPad in the corner of the sands. And nobody could tell what was going on. 
that's why. Okay. So it costs them too much money to broadcast all that stuff. They're like, we're not making any money off them anyways. So it's their way to kind of still host it, but... At the same time. Yeah. So I understand the reasoning, but, you know, to a degree for those people who are competing, I would say it definitely... Just takes, not a full experience. Takes away the flashiness of like yeah. saying you made, made the CrossFit game. Like it's right? just like another competition weekend. You know? Yeah. And so <laughs> that's the overall structure for anybody who's not aware. And most people obviously don't care about any of that stuff, sure. right? We're just kind of giving you a background on all these things that are going on. But kind of going back to the original conversation, like obviously with the Open kind of coming around and whatnot, I thought it would be a good conversation to talk about is, um, you know, kind of like this topic of like separation value, like what's separators and workouts? Like essentially what are ways for you without getting any more fit, without getting any stronger of improving your workouts and your times and your scores and your workouts, right? So if you're like, man, I really want to try to like improve my performance in the gym. What are ways what are things that you can do to help that help that out without necessarily I'll say the programming. Exactly, right? So like the the does statement is like, okay, well maybe you need to get more fit or get stronger. All these things, X, Y, and Z things, right? But quote unquote like strategy and or like what's your biggest bang for your buck in a workout to like where should I go like use your here or harder here? Like or what's some movements that have like a bigger separation in workouts where I can maybe pull away from somebody in the workout or get a better score in a workout because – I attacked this particular area better than somewhere else. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So it's it's a good it's a good question like you said, but it's a very complex question. Like, to there's answer. a lot of ways you could go about yeah. the answer though. Because it's not CrossFit is more complex because there's so many variables at play and millions of workouts and combinations you can come up with. Sure. Right. Compared to somebody who a triathlon runner, you know, the distance that you're running. The distance you're biking, you know, distance you know exactly how to train for it. You know, you know exactly how to train for it. You kind of know, okay, these portions of the work race I can back off. These portions of the race I can pick up speed, whatever it may be, right? But you you have a game plan, and it's a consistent game plan. You know, you can pretty much attack a million times, right? Because you know we're running the same exact race, same exact time. Like some variables might change in the way of like if you're doing an open water swim, waves or water or conditions outside, hot, cold, windy. Those can affect you, right? But for the most part, you kind of know, you know, what kind of pacing you need to keep throughout the, throughout. Hey, if these certain mileages I'm going to push, if these certain mileages I might back off, whatever it may be. But across the workout, it's not that simple. So different movements. Back up for a second. Every movement. So what do you mean by separation value, right? Or separation, like. When we talk about a workout like, oh, this is going to be the big separator in the workout. In the workout, right? It's kind of what we're referring to, right? So, if you have a workout that is, let's say it's five rounds. You could use yesterday's if you want. To. Well, I was, I was going to use that yesterday yeah. as well. But say I'm going to bring up, like okay. as an example, like what that way people can kind of paint a picture in their head as to what right. we're talking about here. Is let's say you have five, like a five round workout of a four minute run and twelve ring muscle ups as an example. Okay. Well, your separator is more than likely going to be the ring muscle-ups. 100%. of the time. Like, unless you're talking about the top 0.01% who could do every run ring muscle-ups unbroken, then maybe separation comes down to the run pacing, right? But for a majority of people who do CrossFit, it's going to come down to how well volume can you hold with your ring muscle-ups, mm-hmm. right? 
And that would be a humongous separator in our gym, right? You could be a, a great runner, but if you really suck at ring muscle ups, then it's kind of that's not where the separator is made for workout, right? You look at that workout, like, okay, the run doesn't really matter a whole lot here. I could be 10 seconds slower on my run per round, right? It's basically me doing five sets of 12 ring muscle ups with a little bit of running in between, right? So it doesn't do me any favors to push the shit out of the run. And come in at a minute thirty four hundred meter, Correct. and then try to jump on some rings and do twelve ring muscles. Right, I would be better off pulling back to like a two minute pace and doing my ring muscle ups unbroken. Right, without having to jump. Like, let's say I ran a minute thirty, more like I'd probably come in. I'd be gassing for air. I'd probably have to chalk up. I'd probably stare at the rings for 20, 30 seconds before I jump on, and all that time is now wasted because I try to push too hard on the run. Mm-hmm. It's not enough of a separation value there compared to the ring muscle up. As an example, right? Like that's the area of the workout where I can pull away from somebody compared to somebody else, right? Or like yesterday's workout where it probably doesn't do me any value in pushing the row aggressively hard, right? Like the row yesterday should have been treated as something that is a almost like a extended portion of your active recovery going into the box step-ups and devil presses. It didn't do you any favors for the most part to pull from going from like a 155 pace down to a 147 pace and saving eight seconds. For what? So like I can now... Your heart rate to jump up 20 (laughs) beats a minute. (laughs) Exactly. So the perceived effort's way higher to pull a 147 pace now. And then I get to my box and I'm having to break up my dumbbell box step-ups. Well, I could have pulled a 155... And then made it that ground by immediately picking up my dumbbells, starting my box up and doing those unbroken and holding a little bit faster pace on the devil press, sure. right? Compared to somebody, and then compared to the person who's pulling a 147, who's now having to break up the dumbbell box step ups and then take breaks on the devil presses as well. Now, if you have a high enough fitness threshold, sure, sure, pull the 147 if you know you can also get immediately on the dumbbells, push the pace on the box step up and the double press if you have that high threshold, right? But for most people yesterday, you had to kind of understand that where is your threshold pacing on the rower that's going to allow your heart rate to stay at a rate that's not overly active, like that's like 180 beats per minute, right? Where it's unsustainable pace. Because really the separator of the workout didn't come down the row. It came down to the box step-ups, right? So the people who could able to cycle the box step-ups faster and hold them unbroken and you immediately move in the double press for the people who had the better times to stay, not the people who blew out on the row. Right, so it's understanding what certain movements and what certain workouts, where that separation comes into play, right? Now, some workouts have very clear separations and some workouts don't, Yeah. right? So if you have a workout where, let's say it's a very, very, very simplistic workout of three rounds, 400 meter run, 50 air squats and 25 box jump overs. There's nowhere really in there that's like, you can pinpoint to say, that's gonna be your separator in the workout. Or if you back off here, you can go faster here, right? You have to kind of like pick and choose your battles a little bit in that workout based off your individual needs, right? But you wouldn't clearly see that workout and say, well, this is where the separator of the workout's sure. gonna be, right? Because- That's one of those workouts though that you would like, you could lose it somewhere, but like you're not gonna like really win it yeah, it'd be more about who can hold the most sustainable pace throughout yeah. without falling off too hard. 
comparatively to a muscle up or a handstand push up workout where you can clearly say that's going to be the bottleneck station where people are going to get hung up on. There are certain workouts where it's really just it's all gas and there's nowhere really to hide in the workout where it's like you're just kind of exposed. And it's really like what kind of threshold you can hold throughout this workout, right? And the way I kind of view it for me, and everybody's different, you can tell me how you think about it, is throughout my, and there's, and we'll kind of talk about some exceptions in just a second, I guess. But right from the get-go, what is going to allow me to operate underneath that red line the longest, right? And every workout's going to be a little bit different because there are some workouts where the red line's just kind of there and you have to be willing to kind of rub up against it if not surpass it very early on if it's a very, very fast workout. But what's going to allow me to stay right below that threshold, that red line? Because if I start to go over that red line, that threshold, now it takes me that much longer to recover during my workout, right? Compared to if I can just back off the pacing by one gear and operate just underneath it, I can keep a more sustainable pace throughout. And more often than not, that means probably breaking things up earlier than you probably would initially plan on doing. Sure. So like, for example, like Monday's workout, you saw a lot of people, because it was a 75 pound, 55 pound power snatch. Gripping and ripping. Gripping and ripping, right? Like it's a light barbell. I can do this unbroken, no problem, right? And inevitably they get about three runs in and all of a sudden now they're doing, you know, fives, taking 20 second breaks between every set of, set of five, right? When in actuality, you probably should have just broken everything up from the beginning taking very, very short rest periods and allowed yourself to stay moving, right? So it's being more smart and understanding that where your heart rate is and being able to internalize that and understand, okay, this pace that I'm holding right now is not sustainable. I don't need to stop. I just need to back off that pacing, operate underneath that red line throughout. I don't know how you think about it, but. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a really good way to think about it. I always thought about just movement by movement, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I mean, if there's three movements in there, Odds are you're probably not going to be good at one. You're probably going to be decent at one, and you might be really good at one, right? So, like, kind of what you're saying though is like, attack each movement. Like you said, if you're really good on the run. Maybe you can hold a 140 pace, right, on your run, right, compared to well, somebody like run over a two minute pace. So, real quickly, I don't mean to kind of interrupt you. I think with a lot of people, is they look at each individual movement in by itself. Okay. And they don't think about the workout as a whole. As a whole. Right? So you think of like the row, like, okay, well, I can do the row in like a minute 50. Sure. You can, can you but our, but the, the problem is, is that you're having to move immediately from a 150 row now into the 20 dumbbell box step ups, which you're thinking like, okay, well, I can do 20 box step ups unbroken. You're not thinking about how it's paired up with the row and how that's yeah. going to affect the box step up, right? Like, yes, you, could, you can do 20 dumbbell box step ups in under a minute, right? Unbroken with 40 pound dumbbells. But can you do it holding a 147 pace right afterwards and doing it specifically multiple times over in a row? And over and over again. More than likely, probably not, right? And so the problem I think with a lot of people is they, they look at each individual movement and they kind of analyze this one section of the workout, this one section of the workout, and this one section of the workout as like its own little entity sure. and not how everything affects one another in the workout, right? Like just like Tuesday's workout with the bar muscle-ups. Right, if you told me to jump on the bar right now and do max set of bar muscles, I mean, if I was probably willing to guess, I could probably get between 20 and 25 reps. Mm-hmm. My last round, I do four, three, three. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're talking like on a percentage standpoint, that's probably like 
15% of my max rep bar yes. muscle ups, right? But that's what I was able to hold at that time because of, of how much everything else affected me at that time, right? And But a lot of people look at, look at it like, oh, I can do 20 plus bar muscle ups. I could do 10 unbroken bar muscle ups every single time, no problem. Two rounds and you're doing singles. Exactly, right? right? So it's, it's not necessarily looking at each individual piece, but also how it operates as a whole and be willing to break before you think you need to, mm-hmm. even if you had a game plan in mind. I think people are scared to like break things up sometimes too though. Like they're gonna- like, They're losing time. Yeah, like they're gonna lose time, lose time. But I'm like, if you do, if it's 40 box step ups and you do, let's say 30 and 10, but you take a 40 second break mm-hmm. in between that 30 and 10 versus somebody that maybe does 40 step ups unbroken, but they're taking a pause at the top coming down and taking a pause at the top. Like there's a, there's a different way to attack each movement, kind of like you're saying. Um, but I always think about it as like staying moving, right? So like- Constantly moving. Constantly moving. Like if you look at the best people with the best times in the gym, if you ever like get early to a class or maybe you have time to watch something, watch the people that are having the best times. They're really never stopping. Well, right. so the, the somebody might listen to that and they're like, well, you just told me to break things up. And now you're telling me a constant movement. Well, So don't conflict the two of thinking like that means staying unbroken with things or trying to do everything that's broken as much as possible. And look at those guys or girls, whoever you're watching, their rest breaks aren't 20-second rest breaks. They're, it's, it's Less than two seconds. They're taking a breath, a two, maybe two breaths, maybe three breaths, and they're picking that dumbbell back up or they're mm-hmm. picking the barbell back up. Like That is what kind of separates people in a class to me, right? It's yes. the rest breaks, people that are staying constantly moving. And a lot of times it's the people that are always in the middle of the pack for a good three quarters of the workout. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden at the end of the workout, you see them kind of turn up a gear right in that last round or maybe the last two, three minutes in the workout. And now they're finishing first in the class. Right? Yes. Um, that to me is what separates a really good CrossFitter to like an average, above average CrossFitter. Well, it's not a... Uh... It's not always that you see the people, the person who come, who wins the first round, beats the best round, right? right? Like it's not that's not very often how you see it happen usually. And so, what we mean by like constant movement is like an example of yesterday with the row workout. That means getting and not not. So people will use transition as like these big long break, break periods, right? Because I gotta do my box step ups unbroken, right? So what we mean by that is constant motion of pulling, you're able to pull back on the rower, not where it's like a putt-putt pace, right? No. You're not like just kind of having a conversation on the thing, but your, your heart rate's not spiking aggressively high, right? Like I'm backing off to a pace that allows me to stay steady my breathing, but then it immediately allows me to get off the rower and immediately start working on the dumbbell box up up. If I pull a pace at the rower that's too aggressive, let's say it's five or 10 seconds per five meters faster, that's too aggressive for me to get off the rower and then I'm having to now lean over my dumbbells in the box and then sit there for 20 seconds before I pick them up. That's what we mean by constant motion. It's somebody who can has the, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The uh, I want to say the patience, but also the discipline is the word. The discipline to pull back five, seven seconds on the rower pace, immediately unstrap, immediately pick the dumbbells and start working, right? Compared to the guy who's pulling a little bit faster and then has to lean over the dumbbells for 20 seconds, contemplating if he wants to pick them up or not, and then starts doing the box step ups. And even that person picks up the dumbbells immediately and starts working, they're like, okay, 
if I push my limits too hard for 20 unbroken right now, say I get to 12, if I try to push for another eight right now, I'm going to completely implode right now and put the dumbbells down and then rest for another 20 seconds before I start doing my double presses. Is maybe I stop for 12, drop, one breath shake out, and I immediately start working again, yeah. right? And do this eight. Then from there, I drop the dumbbells, breath, then start doing the double presses, right? It's these very short methodical breaks that allow you to not over that over, go over that red line, essentially is what I'm talking about. It's... That's what we mean by constant movement. It doesn't mean not breaking things up. No. If anything, that might mean you break, break things up. up more. But now you have to have the discipline to now pick it right back up and go. Because you're not always going to want to pick the damn things up, yeah. right? So think of it like reps in reserve, right? Like for you, and everybody kind of knows where that spot is to a degree, is if you're on those box up, I've seen on 20 reps, you're like, okay, like maybe I can push the threshold and go to 20. But me for go from 12, these, these next eight reps for me as an example are going to spike my heart rate so high that I'm going to have a hard time revving back down again, right? I'm, I've bred my engine too high. My RPMs are too high. And it's going to take me a long time to now to recover to move on to the next movement. Instead of stopping just shy of that where like, okay, if I go a couple more reps here, I'm, my engine's going to bred up too high. Let me stop just for a quick second. I allow the engine to come back down a little bit easier now say in like second third gear pick it right back up and start going again yeah i'm gonna rev up again but i'm saying i'm saying out of that red zone yeah right i'm just i'm kind of operating right underneath that area and that's that's easier said than done right and and there are some moments in time where you might finish your work and like fuck i probably broke it up too sure. much today right that but i'd rather have that than you finish the workout and you literally just absolutely yeah. destroyed. And there's moments in time as well where you have to say, okay, today I'm, I'm just going to push the pace and do everything I'm broken. And if I implode, I implode, yeah. right? I'm going to take the risk on doing it, right? There's, I'm not saying that you should always, that, right? yeah, like you're going to have moments in time where you probably should just kind of shoot for like unbroken sets and just push your limits and see how far you can go. Because it's the only way sometimes you got to rub against that route to see how far you can go with it. And there's moments in time where you're going to break things up and you're like, oh, damn, I, I should have done this thing on broken. But also, order. that's another part of CrossFit. Like that's having the awareness. Like a really good athlete is going to have the awareness sure. of when to do that and when not to do that. Yeah. Right. And now, and when we're referring to all this stuff, right? This is kind of getting to more like sports specific, sure. right? At the end of the day, and so, but having the worth all and the thought process behind this as a thinking athlete can help improve your performance and scores without technically really getting that much more fit. Mm-hmm. Really, it's kind of what we're getting at here. We're kind of, quote unquote, hacking the system, so to speak. Now, there are some times where it maybe benefits you to rest a little bit longer. And that's usually only in one of two cases scenarios is a high skill movement or a heavy movement, right? So an example of this would be like a ring muscle up or like a shirt hands and push up where if you don't rest long enough, you now run into the risk of missing reps. And the cost of missing a rep is so high where you're, if I go for a ring muscle up and I fail, that ring muscle up, just the tenth of the ring muscle up took me 10, 15 seconds. And now I have to rest 30 plus seconds now to even have, to my engine to come back down and build enough strength to re-attempt the movement again. So now I've burned 30 seconds to a minute 
for having failed that ring muscle up into the recovery try to fail, to try to do another one. It's the same concept for like a strict handstand push up where, you know, if I hit that wall too soon of like twenty strict handstand push ups, I'm at seven and I fail at eighth rep, thirteen reps to go, I'm gonna be there for a while, yeah. right? And so it's more maybe a little bit more advantageous for me to rest a little bit longer before kicking up on that wall or obviously breaking things up accordingly where I have a better strategy on how that way I don't hit that red line too soon, right? But more often than not, and then I guess the other form of that would be like a heavy lift. Uh, let's say you're doing a workout with, you know, let's say it's 225 pound squat cleans in a workout and it's a heavy, heavy movement for you where it's like, okay, I have to do one. And if I miss a lift of that squat clean, it's going to take me a little bit longer to recharge before I can pick that barbell back up again. It's, it's a pretty heavy weight, right? If I happen to fail a thruster at 95 pounds, what's light enough for me where if I fail it, I can recharge relatively fast and pick it back up again and get another set of five in, right? So those are the only times that maybe it's advantageous for you to maybe think about resting a little bit longer than you would maybe otherwise. Because and there's times where like like a handstand push is a perfect example of you might feel ready to go because your heart rate's not that high, but you're hitting muscular failure at that point in time, right? Or like a ring dip or a push-up, right? A lot of times in pressing movements, that tends to happen where you don't, you're not physically panting, you're not like <sighs> dying. But you physically can't do another rep. But I can't physically push myself to do another rep, right? Because I'm I've redlined my shoulders where they're not able to recharge fast enough to get back onto the wall and do another handstand push-up, right? And so Different movements have more separation value than others, obviously. So like an example of that would be like as a, as a burpee would be like, like an example of that, right? So like I was able to do like a burpee box jump over, right? Where for me to say consistent, I could, you know, let's say I do a rep every four seconds. Mm-hmm. Now I could push that pace extremely hard. And bring that down to like two and a half seconds per burpee box jump. But what is that worth sure. doing to me? Like what is pushing that threshold so hard to separate myself by an extra second per burpee box jump? That is it worth no pushing. <laughs> is, it, is it worth pushing that yeah. hard for me to have to do these other three moves thereafter? Am I ever going to recover from, right? Compared to backing off an extra 10, 15 seconds, it will constantly stay moving, right? So now, it could be advantageous at times to push that th- threshold. So let's say I'm finishing off the workout with 20 burpee box jump overs yeah. where, yeah, it's advantageous to push that pace and finish out strong. But let's say I was doing that workout, like the open workout, like the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. dumbbell snatch with 15 burpee box jump overs. It's probably not advantageous for me to push the burpee box jump over extremely hard out the gate. No. Right? And trying to hold like a... I feel the last set, though. Yeah, the last set, you would, though, right? If you were to plan things out accordingly and push the pace appropriate enough but so some movements have more separate more separation value than others right so like you know ring muscle up would have a lot more separation value compared to a burpee Mm -hmm. as an example right just because the amount of time it's going to take for somebody to recover from missing a ring muscle like we talked about is way higher compared to somebody quote-unquote failing a burpee which is that if that's even possible right (laughs) like i don't know if it's possible to fail a burpee you mean per se I mean, I guess that if you fall over the barbell or something like that, maybe, maybe if you did like a lateral burpee, but, but you, you understand where I'm getting at where 
you're, you're not going to probably fail a burpee, right? It's just adjusting the tempo of that compared to a ring muscle-up where you can have way more separation in a workout or like pull-ups, things like that, that have a little bit more separation. Even a pull-up, you're able to recharge from a little bit faster, yeah. right? So I can, if I need to go down to like fast singles or something like that, then I could probably do that on keeping pull-up. Now, a strict pull-up might be a different, might change, right? So if I start failing a strict pull-up, so it's going to take me a little longer to recharge from that compared to like a, a kipping pull-up yeah. of some kind, right? So it's at the end, the, the, the biggest thing I probably want people to get away from this podcast more than anything else is understanding that the main principle that you guys need to be working on more than anything else is kind of like Kelly referred to is the constant movement standpoint mm-hmm. and not getting so stuck in your head of, well, I have to push this movement unbroken or I need to push the pace on this one individual piece of the workout because I think a lot of times you guys don't comprehend the compounding aspect of a workout. And like intervals are a great example of if you're somebody who always has splits in a in an interval-based workout where you're always getting slower each round, you don't comprehend pacing enough, sure. Right. So as an example, like yesterday, if you finish your first, first round in four minutes and your last round took you like 545, mm-hmm. a minute 45 of separation of time, that's a humongous difference where you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have enough wherewithal and understanding of how to pace workout. this workout better for yourself, right? Where you'd been better off pulling back 20 seconds on the first round and feeling a lot more fresh after the first round and be able to sustain that 420 sure. pace, right? Because... A 420 pace in the first round compared to the fourth round is going to feel completely different from one another, right? And I think a lot of people will just, like, I feel good. Some of them go, right? Well, once you hit that heart rate of 180, 190, you've read that engine pretty high. It's hot. It's going to take a lot longer for you to cool down now compared to kind of working up, coming back down, working up, coming back down. Each time progressively getting a little bit closer to that red line with each each interval, but you're not pushing over the red line and then having to rev down. Push up that red line and surpass and come back down. Like Each time you do that, it's going to be harder to come back from every single time. So if you're in the middle of the workout and you're constantly redlining three, four times in the workout where you're pushing yourself so hard to do 20 wall balls unbroken each time, you're not recovering fast enough to be able to stay constantly moving. So it's it's one of those things that's very hard to practice that because you do have to have the discipline of feel like you're moving slower, slower, right? Or maybe not breathing as heavy as I think I maybe I should be to start this workout off. But more often than not, that's where you're going to be able to pick up round, pick up steam as a workout progresses because you you plan things out accordingly and you didn't redline too quickly in the middle of the set. Every so often, and this comes with experience, obviously, and the more you do it, the more you learn, is if you do you do have workouts that call for you to just put the pedal down and just blast it. Right? If it was a you know example of four rounds of 12 cars on the bike and 12 burpees, right? Like you probably have like a slight governor where maybe you're starting, you're not maybe necessarily going like full pedal down to 100%, but you're maybe going like 90% where like probably somewhere in that second round, you're like, I don't know if I can sustain this pace for another two more rounds. Kind of like when you do like the mile run. Yeah. Right. A lot of times when you're on the mile run, like for time, you're really trying to do like a mile run four times as hard as you can. 
probably about the halfway point to a degree, you're kind of like thinking like, ooh, I don't know if I can hold this for another 800 meters. If you get back to the driveway, you're probably like, ah, I don't yeah. know, man. Like you see a lot of people like quit after the first 800 yeah. meters because like, I, I, I can't go again, right? And there's a little bit of like kind of questioning yourself in those type of workouts that are like really fast of like, is this pace sustainable for another, you know, two or three more minutes, right? And really rubbing up against that rail of like where my threshold is. Those are maybe the times you kind of risk it for the biscuit and you kind of say, hey, I'm just gonna, if I implode, I implode a little bit to a degree and you kind of learn from that. But for the most part, more often than not, it usually doesn't pay off to come out the gate extremely hard, right? Because there's so many times I'll work out with somebody where, you know, they're, they come out the gate in the first round and they're doing each rep like as fast as they physically can, right? Like, and it's just like, you're not, you're, you're wasting so much energy out the gate here. It's, it's, there's no way you're going to be able to sustain this for the yeah. next 15 more minutes, right? There's just inevitably, you know, about the halfway point, these are, you start seeing them leaned over after each movement, right? Or they do the reps unbroken and they sit there and rest and chalk up for 30, 45 seconds. Like there's so many times that you'll see somebody like, oh, I did everything unbroken today. But they're three, four minutes slower than most people's times today. And say, like, okay, well, at what cost did it take you to do everything unbroken? Yes, you checked that box and you accomplished things unbroken, but now your intensity level had to drop off so much so between much. each movement to accomplish it unbroken. Instead of just saying, when I get to the when I get to the pull-up bar, I'm just gonna start, I'm gonna start doing pull-ups, or I'm gonna start doing toe to bars, I'm gonna start doing bar muscles, or when I get to my med bar, I'm gonna start doing wall balls. And not getting so wrapped up into like having to do X, Y, and Z rep scheme per se. Because yes, it's great sometimes to have an idea of how you want to break things up, but don't be so rigid in that plan that if you for you to hold that rep scheme, it's gonna cost you so much time and rest. Sure. Right. I think a lot of people also will do that is, you know, like say they doing, have to do that 10, 10, 10. Yeah, like they just say they're doing 40 walls in a workout and they're like, I have to do 20 and 20, mm-hmm. right? Or 25, 15. Well, they do set 25, and especially like as the workout progresses, right? Like 25, 15 sounds great in the first round, right? But if you're doing four rounds of 40 wall balls with biking and double unders as an example, that volume accumulation starts to add up, right? Where now 25-15 is a lot more of an ask by that third round than it was in the first round. And understanding of how much energy output you're having to give to put in 25 reps unbroken and how much time did it take you to pick up that ball when you're having to do 25 and how much time thereafter set of 25 you pick up to another round of 15. Yeah. Right, like, and understanding, okay, like, I'm at 10, understanding, like, okay, my, my threshold right now, like, I'm, I'm getting very, very high to, like, peak heart rate right now, and, like, me push 25 is going to take me a long time to rev down. Let me just go to 15 and drop, right? And then take one big breath and having this one to do one or two breaths and pick it back up and doing, like I said, a seven, right? Like, I think some people can sometimes, like, and I've been guilty of this as well, as, you can start to feel defeated when that happens. Like, oh, I'm dying in the workout. I'm having to do like these small little chunks and sets now. But if you allow yourself just to do it and see how it happens, a lot of times you can end up being just as fast as not faster in your scores than you would have otherwise, right? Because now the rest intervals that you were taking to treat 25-15 are a lot shorter now, breaking it up a little bit more, right? And to the two sets, you're doing like three or four sets now. 
So I, I don't think sometimes people understand that as much as maybe they should have. And that comes with experience and like thinking about it and understanding and having the understanding of where that panic is inside your body, I guess is probably a better way to say it of like how uncomfortable are you getting in what portion of the workout you wouldn't run a 5k and treat your first 1k to 3k aggressively hard, right? If you're already super uncomfortable at 1k, you're probably not going to sustain it for the next two. It's the same concept. If you're in the middle of a five round workout or a four round workout, where it may be, and you're already super uncomfortable in the first round or two, you know, you kind of fucked it up a little bit and you need to understand that I need to back off. Understanding that each individual round you should start off feeling super comfortable with inside probably your first round where you kind of feel like you're maybe going a little bit too slow. And then each round there progressively is getting us a little bit more uncomfortable with that last round probably being the most uncomfortable of all if you're doing it properly, right? But once again, that comes with experience. Now, there are some times where if you're doing a three-round fast workout where you're going to start off feeling uncomfortable, you're just going to sustain that for a couple minutes at a time. But like we said, more often than not, it's just more the fact of if you're doing a 10 plus minute workout, it's kind of the guy that you want to use there. And I think even sometimes with like a quick workout where it's seven minutes where people think it's like, well, it's only seven minutes. I can come out the gate flying in two minutes. I shouldn't. <laughs> Five minutes probably never felt as long as it would have otherwise if I were to be a little bit more understanding of even inside like a seven minute workout where probably in the first two minutes of that workout, I probably shouldn't be super super uncomfortable yeah. yet maybe like once i get past five minutes i start to feel super uncomfortable but the first two minutes no sure. so so i should probably be breaking these things up more that i'm not getting too overly revved up right and, and but you have to be willing to break things up earlier and keep the rest intervals relatively short to do that so is there anything else you want to add to all that stuff i don't think so um, i feel like that was a good one though i feel like i feel like people are going to get something out of that one that that's probably going to help them well, it's, and like I said, it's, it's a way for you to improve some performance in the gym without really having to do anything differently in a way like, quote, unquote, get more fit or get more strong. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's just like that. Like, and, and the ways you can go about doing that, right, is like, <clears throat> an example would be is do 30 pull-ups for time, right? And do... <clears throat> And obviously, you'll do it all in one day. But let's say you do over the next three weeks, once a week, you're going to do 30 pull-ups a time. Mm-hmm. And break it up three different ways, right? Okay, do okay. one time, as many reps you can out the gate, unbroken, and then finish off whatever you can, right? And then time and see how that goes. And then do the next time, like, hey, I'm trying to set to five with only a five-second break after each set and see how that goes. Like, okay, let me try to do eight, seven, eight, seven with only a five-second break or a six-second break. Let me see how that goes, right? And then comparatively, see how the time's... More often than not, what's going to end up happening is those people who, and let's say your max threshold is like kipping pulls is like seven to 12 sure. as an example. Right? If you can do 30 unbroken, obviously, that's, yeah. that's kind of a dumb standard to try to hold. But it's, an, it's the idea of you'd be surprised if you come up the gate trying to do like revving up super high and do as many reps as you can, then trying to hold on to finish, and then compared to like breaking things up early, how much difference yeah. in time that's going to play. And I, also, I think. I think you kind of mentioned this earlier is like your intervals or like your, your maybe like even like your Tuesday or what was it? What was the four round workout? When was that? With the two minute reps? 
Oh, you're talking about Tuesday's workout, the the the, the bike. The bike, yes. Yeah, so uh, like D ball, Tuesday, like something like that where you're going around and you get an arrest, right? Or like yesterday's with the dumbbell box step overs with the AMRAP, right? Those are probably your best workouts to really like hone in if you really wanted to get good at pacing and like understanding your gears, right? Well, like as an example on that workout individually, like how many people do you saw got off the bike and stared stare at that bag? Sure. So yeah. many people got off that bike and then probably stared at the bag for 10 to 25 seconds. That's before like, they pick the first one. Before you beat the first one up. <clears throat> and it's like, okay, if you just would have backed off the pacing, maybe just a tad on the bike, came down 20, 30 watts, 50 watts on the bike. Yeah, you maybe burn an extra 10 more seconds on the bike, but then as soon as you got off the bike, you immediately start picking up the bag. Or even just the fact of like trying to hold the pace and just pick up the bag. Yeah. You immediately get to the bag, just do the first rep. Just do the first rep. Get the first one done. Just get the first one done. And once you get the first one done, and then you kind of fall into the groove of finding a pacing on how with the tempo you want to pick up each D ball. You kind of almost find a rhythm sometimes. Like just by starting. Dead tired, right? Yes. But just by starting, you can find a rhythm and keeping, and then you can keep that rhythm, right? It's almost like you're like you're you're in like a little trance and you're just going, right? but you have to kind of Cody says like you gotta just do things sometimes when you don't want to do it. Like just start. Like just yeah, you're, start you're gonna it. you're gonna. Everybody has those thoughts of when they get to like the next movement of like, oh god, I just don't. I'm hard. I'm breathing so heavy. Yeah. Like, my heart rate's so high. Like I just don't want to start the movement. Just start doing it, and I like to like I said you'll find yourself getting into a groove of it, or like don't get to the barbell. Like, okay, I gotta do 15 thrusters here. Mm-hmm. I gotta do 15. Like, even the workout, like the last Friday with the, the pull ups and thrusters, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, didn't, I wasn't here the day. Carter had a field trip, but like, how many people got off the pull up bar and just stared at the barbell? Yeah. Like, a lot of people where they got off the pull up bar, they got to the pull up bar, and they sat there and stared at it for 20, 30 seconds for picking it up because they had to do the 15 unbroken. Sure. Like, they had this in their mindset, in their head, like, they had to do it unbroken. When you've been better off getting off the bar, immediately just getting to the barbell, putting your hands on the barbell, and just start doing the thrusters, right? Doing six five four or like six five, five four five. fives, whatever it may be, like, and just starting the mm-hmm. movement, and just the fact of like the act of doing that can put you in the rhythm, like to stay on top of the barbell. I think sometimes when we're in the transition uh, to a next movement, that's where you start seeing the biggest rest periods. Yeah. Because now I've checked that box, now I'm moving on the next one. It's just another excuse for you to. Yeah, this is this is like my buffer time to rest. Like like compared to when you're in the middle of a set of a movement, you're more willing to stay moving, right? Sure. So like if I'm transitioning from the bike to the wall ball, a lot of times we'll see people take like a a longer break compared to if they just pick up the ball, start going. Let's say maybe it's not as big as that they originally planned in their head, but they start the action of doing the wall ball, and they drop and say they were going to do twenty to twelve, and the ball hits right. Well, you're already on the act of starting the wall ball. You can take two breaths, three breaths, pick it back, pick up, it back up, and go and get the 20 drop. And you're probably already further ahead than when if you would have just tried to do 20 unbroken at that point in time. Because you picked up the ball way sooner than you would have otherwise. These are just these are multiple examples that you guys can start to use and start to understand to kind of start getting into your workouts and start planning for those things ahead of time of... Like, I'm just going to set the goal of constant motion, and I don't necessarily have to do anything unbroken, but I have to stay constantly moving mm-hmm. throughout this workout, right? Now, there are times where, as as, like, as, as coaching staff will say, hey, we want you guys to do these things unbroken sure. today, right? But, but it's, 
or like you guys should be choosing a loading that should be done unbroken today. But it doesn't necessarily mean that has to be your quote unquote game plan per se, where if you get in the middle of the workout, you're in the third round, like I know coach said I had to do this unbroken, but right now I'm just dying. And for me to push unbroken for the set, I'm going to completely die for the rest of the workout. And a lot of times we're saying like you should be able to, but that's not us saying you should. Like you have to. <laughs> right? It's just giving you an idea of what color or what option you need to be picking for that day. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you guys got a little bit out of this. Um, and it's more like if you guys have questions on it, you can obviously talk to a coach and, and they can give you a little bit more worth on. Like and obviously each individual athlete is, is very different from one another and – where your strengths and weaknesses lie. But overall, everybody can still take pieces of this and apply it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and you both have been doing this for a long time now where, you know, we're way ahead of the curve than most people in the CrossFit game where, you know, we kind of understand, you know, what movements, how they make you feel and things like that, right? Like, you know, for me doing a deadlift workout and you doing a deadlift workout. Two totally different things. Two different totally things. Like if Kale tries to approach a deadlift workout, like how I approach a deadlift workout is never going to work out well for Kale, sure. right? Kale has to understand how he needs to break things up and how he's going to, and how he needs to attack the deadlift workout compared to me. And like the vice versa of me of if we had a strict handstand push-up workout, if I try to attack it the way Kale's going to try to attack the workout, then more likely I'm going to fail, sure. right? Like if we had 40 strict handstand push-ups in the middle of a workout and I try to attack it the way Kale attacks it, I'm going to completely implode where if I, let's say Kel's like, oh, I'm going to do 10, 10, 10 to 10 for 40 of them. Well, if I try to do that, well, I know I might be able to do one set of 10, maybe two, but the next 20 is going to take me so long to recover from around to a set of 10 that he's going to completely blow on the work. And if I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do sets of five and do like, like kick off the wall, one breath, pick up, do five. I can, I can, even though Kel's probably still going to beat me, in this particular section of the workout because he is better at hands and push-ups something I can do about that. But I can closen that yeah. gap or lessen that gap up compared to better loss. Like just like with you the deadlift where let's say maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to do the deadlift in, in two sets. You're like, okay, i got to break it in four sets. Well, now you can reduce that time, the difference between me compared to, like you're trying to copy me and do two sets mm-hmm. of deadlifts, right? Because you know that's going to, the amount of energy expenditure for you to do two sets of deadlifts is way high. Let's say you do two sets, and then the next round you're absolutely screwed. Exactly. Right. You see a lot of times, well, like as well, you'll see somebody like, well, you know, I suck. I suck with Kale for two rounds in that workout, right? What happened that third round? <laughs> okay, great. Like that was your overall goal. Like that was your win for the days that you got two two rounds with this particular person just to implode for the next three. That wasn't exactly. the best approach for you in the workout, right? Like, yes, at the end of the day, you cannot help if somebody's. I think they more fit than you. Yes. Like there's all like there's nothing not, you can do about like, that in that time. Like you're not gonna take this podcast and then apply it and they're like, oh my god, I went from being like ten thousand from the world sure. to making the CrossFit games. Right. Yes. At the end of the day, like realistically, people are gonna be better to you at some movements are gonna be stronger some movements and they're gonna be more conditioned. Like it's not like you're gonna go from all of a sudden being like middle of the pack to like first in the first exactly. in the class every single day because you're applying these tools. But you can you'll start to understand and start to feel like up, like another example, I know we're kind of keep talking in circles a little bit to a degree is like doing open workouts and repeating the open workout. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever done that before where you've – like in the open, like the workout comes out on Thursday night and then you do pro on Friday and then a lot of people would maybe repeat it like on Monday. Sure. Well, when somebody repeats the workout and they do better, let's say a whole round better on a workout – you're not any more fit no. than three days ago. It's the fact you had a way better game plan. You understood, okay, I probably shouldn't 
do all these things, I'm broken out the gate. I should sure. probably break things up more. Oh, maybe if I back off my pace on the burpees a little bit, I can then do my dumbbell snatches unbroken now compared to if I'm doing too hard on the burpees and I can break up my snatches in the four sets instead of one set. Like you're not any more fit. Like I've, I've done, I don't know how many open workouts in my life. There's only been one open workout that I've ever done where I did, technically did worse. And it was a handstand right, push-up workout. And I was happy with my performance the first time. And really it was just more the fact that and I thought it executed really well the first time through. And I was like, I'll just repeat it to see if I can do any better. Cause it really is more like a muscle fatigue workout. One, like it was going to really beat you up. And I did like two reps worse. Right. But every workout there after I've ever done, you're done like, you know, a minute, two, two minutes better. Like for instance, like that dumbbell snatch workout, that burpee box. Dude, stuff. Everybody did so much better. Like I did like three minutes faster the second time I did it. Right. I'm not, was that three minutes fitter? Three days later, probably no. <laughs> I just strategized a lot better and got a fuck ton faster on that you workout. Definitely, probably way sore, <laughs> super sore after that. No, I was still dead afterwards. Yeah. But there's been even sometimes where I've done an open workout, repeated it, did better, and felt better, better. afterwards. Like the workout didn't feel as nearly as hard the, the second time through. 100%. Like I've done that before as well. And like once again, that comes back to the fact that. I wasn't any more fit. I just executed better on a game plan and understood better on how to break things up, where the better rest intervals were, and then all that as a combination correlated to a better score and made it easier for me to execute the workout without feeling like trash afterwards. Just because you you rev your engine so high that you are on the ground, rolling around, spitting and coughing afterwards and feel like you're going to throw up doesn't necessarily mean that you performed your best on that workout. Just because you gave right. it, quote, unquote, everything you had. Like, yes, you gave a great effort, but you didn't... Could have you worked really it. hard, but you didn't work as smart as you possibly yeah. could have, right? So it's kind of like common, like the combination of like working smarter and working harder. Like, all you guys are in here working your ass off. But like if you worked a little bit smarter, you'd probably be more efficient in your workouts and get better performance and better, better, better scores from all this. If you are interested in those things. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for some of you that are like, I don't give a shit about this stuff, this podcast is not for you at all. Sure, but, but also like, I mean... We'll make you fitter if you do this on a long enough period of time. Sure. No doubt about it. So hopefully you guys can apply to some, some of the stuff and uh, let us know what you think. Peace.